You already know that subscriptions can add predictable recurring revenue to your store. But did you know that Bold's recurring orders has added a ton of new features to make it even more profitable? Their convertible subscription feature, first, lets customers subscribe to one product and then automatically switch it to a different one the second month. So this lets you set up trial sizes, free samples, etc. And then they've also added a cancellation flow to keep people on the subscription. It's like abandoned cart recovery, but for subscriptions. So if you've ever tried to cancel your Audible account, you'll see what I mean. If you say you don't like the books, they offer you a free one. If you say it's too expensive, it automatically offers you a deal on the next month. Basically, Bold built this into the Recurring Orders app, and it stops up to 30% of customers from canceling their subscriptions. Their most recent feature is the subscription buy button. That lets you sell your subscriptions directly with just a link. So it's perfect for email, blog posts, Facebook, etc. Now, one of the things I personally love about it is that customers can now manage everything about their subscriptions by themselves. They can log in and then pause, skip, edit, update payment info, their address, swap products, add products, and more. They can just manage everything themselves. So it's a huge time savings for store owners because it means fewer customer requests. Now, if you want to add predictable recurring revenue to your business today, you could do that by going to boldcommerce.com slash subscriptions to check it out. That's boldcommerce.com slash subscriptions. Additional support for the unofficial Shopify podcast comes from SEO Manager. You know the benefit of SEO. The higher you rank in search engines, the more visitors your store will have. And more visitors means more sales, which means more money in your pocket. But how do you do that? That's where SEO Manager comes in. It helps Shopify store owners get found in search engines. And it's trusted by thousands of Shopify stores. It leads the market in both innovation and usability. And it's no wonder. SEO Manager adds an entire suite of tools to help attract new customers by fully optimizing your store. So here's a few of my favorites. It scans your site for SEO issues, offers keyword suggestions, adds structured data support, analyzes missing pages and redirects, and it even integrates with Kit, Shopify's personal marketing assistant. And that's not all. It does a whole bunch of more stuff. All of these things will help you to be easily found in Google and other search engines. And best of all, it's easy to get started. You can launch SEO Manager on your store in minutes, and their friendly support team is always on standby if you need help. Plus, as a special offer to our listeners, you can get SEO Manager right now for 10% off forever. Sign up at seomanager.com slash unofficial. That's seomanager.com slash unofficial. Welcome back to the unofficial Shopify podcast. Another week, another show, and I'm thrilled to be here. There's a good reason for it, though. Uh, you know, usually I'm, I'm shot out of a cannon. I love doing it, doing the show. It's it's one of the best parts of of our of our marketing, really. But of of the job is talking is having this this Trojan horse where I could say to anyone who I think is interesting and I want to have a good good conversation with for 40 minutes is say, hey, do you want to come in my show, share your story with our our audience? And they'll, they'll, and then everybody wins. Everyone gets value all around. So I like, I like that a lot about this show. Um, and we've been doing it for several years and we started doing it after we niched down exclusively on Shopify. Um, and I recently had got tremendous validation in doing that. And it's always nice. Like as humans, we need, I don't know if it's on Maslow's hierarchy of needs, but we, we need external validation. And I just, I wanted to do some housekeeping, point out, uh, Shopify, Shopify has relaunched the Shopify Partners Program. 
Shopify partners being, you know, not uh, everyone who's doing business with Shopify that's not a merchant, essentially. So experts and app uh, developers and theme developers, those folks, people like me, um, and they they launched uh, they relaunched the the Shopify partners program, and as part of it, they flew us out there, they picked our brains, they uh, included us uh, in that rebranding effort, and then they did a, a case study on us. And I turned around and saw, um, as of this recording this morning, they said, "Hey, look, we've we've announced it, and we've we've launched that case study." And sure enough, my face is there. I'm I have become one of one of three people at this time, the literal face of the Shopify Partners program. So it's a tremendous honor to have that validation. Um, and I'll throw that in the show notes, even though it's not directly related to this. But in what I, I've learned in achieving this this success is a lot of things are are around mindset. Um, and how you approach business, how you approach entrepreneurship is really like success is very much a mental game. Um, sure, there's there's sweat um, and, and grit and and all that good stuff uh, and pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, that sort of thing. But a lot of it, it's mindset, man. Um, and I have a a a client turned friend who I like a lot named Doug Geiger, who runs Can You Handlebar, which is a one of the uh, early um, beard accessory. Stores, they're beardsmen, they would call themselves. Um, but we recently did a, a custom theme development for them that's super cool. We didn't design it, we developed it, but it's really cool. Does some neat stuff. Um, but Doug, Doug's going to join us today and talk us through his journey with growing just this this tremendous business. And what I like about him is he he's very introspective and, and mindful, and will include some of these great poignant ideas. Where oftentimes he'll say like like Yeah, I want to do X, and then give me his reason. You know, in this this client. Um, vendor relationship. And I'm like, wow, that, that's pretty brilliant. And I'll give you an example. When we were doing, when we were early on months ago talking about developing this custom theme, which I, I won't lie to you, this is an expensive endeavor. Um, he said, you know, it, uh, if it's cool, I, maybe we'll, we'll take it and, and we can, we could sell it and other people can use it. And I said, well, aren't you worried that, you know, you're, you're going to spend all this money to build this theme and then someone could pay a hundred bucks to just license it and use the same, same theme as you? He says, no. I don't care. I have an abundance mentality. This doesn't bother me. I want to help other people. I, like, and that, that's just such a perfect example of that, that the mindset of a successful entrepreneur. So anyway, uh, Doug lives in Michigan, not far outside Detroit, I believe. He's a husband, father of three, entrepreneur, loves whiskey, which makes him a good person. And he started a business with a crock pot and a credit card. He is the founder of Can You Handlebar? He's the driving force behind that company. And it's myriad endeavors, and we're going to hear about that journey today. Doug, thank you for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me uh, on the show, Kurt. I really, uh, I mean, it really is uh, an honor because I appreciate your work, and I know that you kind of have your pick of who you'd have on the show. So the fact that you asked me means a lot. Oh no, no, my pleasure. I knew. I'm like, I gotta get, <laughs> I gotta get this guy on the show. And the only thing I was waiting for um, was just to have that that new theme live, so people could see what. Um, see like you really see your vision because I know the the tremendous amount of effort that went into like just the photography I think um if I had to pick uh the single best product photography lifestyle photography of any site I've worked on um right now without a doubt it's can you handle bar um, oh, and yeah I'm not not kissing your ass that's true I mean anyone could if, <laughs> if you doubt it go look at can you handle bar.com and just admire like just the tremendous consistency with which the photos have been taken treated it's just tremendous all right so let's back up what the heck is can you handle bar so i mean can you handle bar is uh it's a really simple company 
we make products for the hair that guys choose to leave on their face. So if you, uh, you know, if you have a mustache or a goatee or a beard, uh, we have products uh, for you. And so those products are themselves pretty simple. Uh, we put all of the ingredients on all of our products and that's not so much of a big deal now, but believe it or not, that actually was a big deal five years ago when we started. Uh, it was sort of uh, mystery meat. You really weren't sure what you were going to get most of the time. And so, you know, we wanted natural products uh, and we wanted uh, to be really clear about what was in them. So we make uh, beard oil, beard balm, mustache wax. Um, we've got some uh, shampoo, uh, conditioner, face lotion uh, that's coming out as well. But that's that's all that we do right now is uh, is make products for men's beards. And so we, you know, we're fortunate that we've uh, worked with some folks that are really good at taking hair off of faces. And so we're sort of the perfect counterpoint uh, counterpoint to that. So to, how did how did the idea happen? What what was going on in your life where you go, man, I should should make some beard oil? Well, I was working for one of those uh, super cool uh, compared to Google uh, sorts of companies. And, uh, you know, the kind of company where the first couple days that you're there, they uh, pay you to sit in a room and learn about their philosophy. And, um, you know, they talked about how open minded and creative they were. And uh, and so I decided while I was there that, you know, what I think would be kind of a neat, uh, you know, I would be basically virtue signaling that, yeah, I'm part of this whole thing. I'm like, I'll grow a handlebar mustache. And so I decided to grow a handlebar mustache while I was uh, at this company working in project management in the IT area. Okay. And, uh, and I grew it and it, it became pretty clear that that wasn't, uh, it, it wasn't actually what they, what my uh, boss really wanted. And so, but in the process, I, I, uh, I ended up leaving the company um, but the desire by that point, uh, we won't, I won't say who the name is, but it, uh, so it's a huge tech finance company, right? Exactly. Exactly. Huge. And I'm, I'm going out of my way not to say who it but, is. Yeah, it's a, it's a household name is really, is what right. the important point. And, and it wasn't all a bad experience. A lot of what I learned there, I've, I've been able to apply. And I think that's important to be able to pull out the good from the bad and not make everything spy versus spy. Uh, but to be able to see things as anyway, that's a whole other, uh, rabbit trail, but, while I was there, the, the important thing is is there were two things that I got. One was the the bug to start my own business was was firmly uh, implanted, and the second was what that business would be was pretty clear because in the process of looking for mustache wax uh, for myself, I really discovered that there was this uh, big gap uh, where there really weren't that many products, and it's hard to imagine back to when. There were not um, a million beard oil and mustache wax companies, but at the time, so there was only. It, what year was this? When this happened? How long ago was it? So this was all throughout the uh, all throughout 2011 and okay. 2012, and it was at the end of 2012 that I went live. But but as you can imagine, I didn't have the idea for the company make the first batch and get it all out on the market within a week. I mean, it was there's probably a year uh, that that I was working on it. Um, you know, before you could really see anything. So you grew, so you grew a must, a handlebar mustache and decided, and then found quickly, and obviously like a handlebar mustache, you got to wax this thing um, or use some kind of product. Right. The, um, it's a lot, a lot of maintenance, a lot of keep real commitment to, to glorious facial hair there. Um, but you found you, for you, there was, there weren't, there wasn't a product that you loved that you liked that you were satisfied with. Right. Yeah, that's right. So okay. there was, so that's like a common, that's a common thread 
of these stories of successful entrepreneurs is they find they have their own personal pain or problem and then find it that there's a gap in the market and then they go, well, maybe I could do something about that. Right. And it, it really is that simple. I mean, I'd love to tell some story about, you know, I, I just sat there like a supercomputer processing all this information and found this amazing business idea, but it really is much simpler than that. I wanted a mustache wax and the best mustache wax that by consensus that was out there had a paper label. So it fell apart in your pocket and you had no idea what was inside of it. And so with those two things, I felt like, you know what, if I could be really clear about what's in the product and if I could package it in a way that, that lives up to day-to-day -day use, just that alone, if it could be as good of a product as this other one, I have a fighting chance at making a decent product. So it was really that simple. Hmm. Yeah, it doesn't have, I think a lot of times people go, well, what if my product's not good enough? Well, it's not that it has to, or I'm not good enough, or my service isn't good enough. It, what you have to realize is like, Whatever the best thing is that's out there or really whatever like the go-to thing is, you just need really for it to be great, you just need to be 10% better than that and identify those pains or problems. And that's like an unusual pain or problem you noticed that would only come from experience is um, with products like this, the because it's it's oily, it's waxy, like the the labels and the packaging falls apart, which is really annoying because the stuff like you have it for several months. Yeah, there's, there's so many opportunities to make a decent living. So I don't know what your listeners would consider a decent living, but let's just say hypothetically that they considered $100,000 a year a decent living. I think most people would. I'd say like it for a single person, like once you hit 75 grand, 70, let's say so like 70, 75 grand US dollars in annual salary, that like beyond that, you're, you could make more money than that, sure, and it's going to be fun. But I think that's like the amount of money, that's the tipping point for most people in most areas in the country where it's just like, yeah, every, like life gets much easier and everything after this is gravy. Well, and nearly anywhere in the company, if you've got a 20 foot ladder and stood at the top of it and did a 360 and just looked around you and added up the, the value of, of the things that you can see with just your eyes at the top of that ladder, you're going to be in multiple millions of dollars and people don't realize how much money there is in the world. And they don't realize how, like you said, 10% better, uh, you, you can have a piece of that. And so there's a ton of opportunity, even still, even though Twitter is saturated, even though, you know, uh, pay-per-click is, uh, is saturated, uh, even though there's tons of great ideas that you hear about and you feel like, oh man, I thought of that. I told my wife about that. There's still a ton of opportunities. And so it really comes down to mindset and execution. Um, and so I, I, you know, I've given an example before. I think if somebody could become the world's foremost authority on a toothpick, they could make a hundred grand. I almost want to do it just as a proof of concept, literally have like toothpicks.com if it's not taken, which I'm sure it is, and be the world's authority on toothpicks, exotic hardwoods, all that. You could make $100,000 a year. Oh, no, I, you're absolutely right. You're brilliant. And then like I, I'm already picturing you market it in a way not dissimilar to cars where you have like a halo, a halo toothpick. One toothpick, it's like the most decadent, amazing, perfect toothpick ever that you really have no intention of selling much of, but it exists just to get people interested and make the other toothpicks look that much better. And speaking of toothpicks, there actually, there is, I had a friend who was like sort of kind of into toothpicks and he had like very specific brands and kinds and he shared it with me and I hated toothpicks until that moment where he was like, here, try this. It's thicker. It's got a, it's like this particular wood and it's soaked in tea tree oil. And you know, he was right. It, actually, it was, it was, it was good. I liked it for a while. I carried some toothpicks with me. 
Yeah. Well, and we did not plan that. Um, <laughs> but that just goes to show that, yeah. you know, the, the, so we live in the world's first democracy, like true democracy on, on the Internet. And so you can have an idea and it can be successful because you only need one person every hundred square miles and you can still make a hundred grand and that you couldn't have done that before prior to the internet where you had to have a storefront and people had to, you had to have foot traffic because you had to, you had to sell to the middle of the bell curve. This is a time in, in history where I can have a, a, a decent living selling beard oil. It's the least essential product made on earth right now is beard oil. It is the absolute luxury. And yet, it's it's uh, providing for me and my family and the families of uh, of my employees. And so I, I'm I absolutely consider myself blessed because I get to make a living off of beard oil. I'm not making heart monitors. I'm not making things that help keep babies alive in NICUs. I'm selling beard oil. And so it's a great opportunity for anyone who's looking to start a business to do so right now in in 2017 or whenever you listen to this because it's only going to get better. I like that. It's such a Again, I was saying like you always have these great insights and mindset and that like several perfect examples there is there's n never been a easier time, better time to start a business. And I, I really like the, and you, I saw the abundance of mindset where you're saying like people don't realize how much money is out there. And I like the humility of saying, listen, I know my product is purely a luxury and, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Like it, it's still even as a, you know, this simple, luxury product just by being simple and pure and, and doing what it does. Um, though it's not an expensive product, um, it then uh, it provides for, for you and your employees, and that's tremendous. But all right, going back to your journey. So you had the idea. You identified the pains or problems. What do you do then? How do you go? Like get the, getting the idea is, is not – it can be hard to come up with a business idea. A lot of people struggle with it. But once you have the idea, how do you turn it into – First, a product and, and then a company. Well, so a lot of uh, times when I hear other entrepreneurs uh, tell their story, I feel like it's kind of devoid of all of the stuff I went through. Um, it's almost like they had this super abundance of, of self-confidence and they didn't have any anxiety and they didn't really have any bills at the time. Um, and it was just super easy for them. And like I remember subscribing to Entrepreneur Magazine and reading these stories and feeling like these people were made out of different stuff than I was. And where, where I, on the other hand, was filled with anxiety. I'd had, a, I'd had ideas my entire life and I'd never acted on them. And so I felt kind of, um, I don't know, I, I felt like, okay, well, what's, you know, how, I know how this is going to go. I'm going to have this idea. I'm going to tell people about it. I'm going to get excited. I'm going to fill up half a notebook of paper and then I'm never going to do anything with it. And so I decided, you know, and, and depending upon the audience that I tell this to, I, I, I either swear or don't swear. But basically I said, swear word, I'm going to do it this time. And so the way that I was able to do that was I, I basically, you know, pitted, you know, if you can't, if you can't tap onto your own sense of virtue, then the next best thing is to tap into your vices. And so I suspected that my, the vice of pride was going to be, uh, was a, was a powerful source for me to tap into. So what I did was we didn't have any money. We had negative money. And so I put about $400 worth of lanolin on a credit card. And then when the lanolin showed up, which is one of the ingredients in my mustache wax, I put it on my desk. Lanolin is uh, like sheep oil, right? Yeah, that's wool. right. It's the oil from wool. That's right. It's yeah. it's actually a, a very 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 soft wax uh, from okay. from wool, and it's an amazing product. 
Um, so, so I put this lanolin on my desk and you, there's really no resale market for lanolin side note. You can't, you know, if you're a 30 year old male at the time I was 32, I guess you can't just go out onto the street. You can't go onto to eBay and be like, Hey, you want to buy some secondhand lanolin? There's no retail value. So it was basically like putting yourself on death ground. Uh, I needed to, to actually make this product or I was going to have to explain to my wife why we were another $400 in debt with a credit card when we had still had a wedding that we hadn't paid off from years before. Uh, why do I have $400 in landlord? We could have genuinely used that money in a million other places. But I knew that if I put my pride on the line, that, it, that I was more likely to, uh, to actually execute. And so for me, I had a tremendous amount of anxiety and self-doubt. The landlord sort of clarified my mind because at that point it was – it's not, do I, do I follow up and do this idea or not? It was, am I going to be full of shame, you know, with my wife, the fact that I've spent money we don't have on a product that doesn't exist yet. And so that, that was enough of a nudge to at least get me to pass that first decision point and actually do the, the work. And so then it became, it's funny because once you eliminate, do I, or don't I, and you get that question answered, I am going to do it then your mind can be 100% focused on how do I do it? And so that's a huge uh, lesson that I learned is remove the do I or don't I and, and allow your mind to only work on how do I do it? And so I did that. And so I used my, I stole my wife's crock pot and I made my first batch in the living room. I'm sorry, in the <laughs> kitchen, not the living room, the kitchen. And, uh, and I put it online and there were, there were a number of other, you know, moments in between present day and that day, but that was absolutely like a seminal moment in the company where I was able to kind of force myself past that mental block of not seeing myself as a person who ever executed and actually became an entrepreneur. And so I would recommend um, that is if, if, you, if you need to get over yourself uh, and your own insecurities, um, you may need to go to drastic action to put yourself on the hook to where you, there's no way you can retreat without feeling like a complete ass. I liked it that your solution, well, your solution here was it, you acknowledged and recognized the anxiety and self-doubt and just chose to really kind of said to yourself, well, I've made the decision. I'm unwilling to give in to that because I'm, I'm going to do it. And that that's enough to power past it is to make that, to recognize it, be mindful of it, then make that conscious choice. And then added accountability to it to make sure you follow through in the form of saying, I'm, you know, I, if I don't do it, it, it's going to be, it will bring shame, shame on me and, and my wife will be upset. Yeah. And have it, you're right. Those are like the two things that be, you know, don't fight it, acknowledge, acknowledge that anxiety. Um, and then, you know, declare what don't, don't waffle. Don't worry about whether or not you're going to do it. Just decide you're going to do it. Then figure out how it's simple, but brilliant. Um, and then yeah, adding, adding a little bit of that, that accountability in there. All right. So how did you, so you, you develop the initial product, um, package it, start selling it online. How did you market it initially? How did you find, cause that's like, once we get to, I've got the product ready to sell. I, the next hardest part by far is, well, how do I find the people to buy it? Uh, you know, so we've been around for five years as of the day after Halloween. So the first two years, uh, the, the short answer is I didn't. I mean, like I, I could run a clinic on how not to have an e-commerce business. Um, I tried to do as many things as I could myself. 
Um, I, you know, took my own photography. I wrote my own copy. Uh, and that is important. And, and so there is a fine line. And it does sound like when you give advice, you're speaking out of both sides of your mouth. Because on one hand, yes, you need to be a jack of all trades until you can hire people, whether full time or even just on projects that can that are better than you. But on yeah. the other hand, there's definitely those points where you are trying to save a nickel and you're giving up that dollar that you would have made extra if you had gotten a professional to do it. And so that's that's a line that's that's definitely easy to see in retrospect and is difficult in the moment. But for the first two years, I, I tried to do everything myself in the, in the idea of saving money. And my results showed how ineffective that was. And so my, my photography, for example, was abysmal. Once I switched over and had a professional do my photography, um, it wasn't just that I got more people to convert and, you know, uh, a couple extra, you know, fractions of a, of a, a percentage higher uh, conversion, but it actually opened me up to other opportunities, one of which being uh, Amazon. And so one of the first ways that I kind of created some working revenue for the business was through Amazon sales. And so that was one of our first kind of uh, sea changes where we made enough money that I could actually bring some people on full time was with Amazon. And then from there, I'd learned my lesson about not trying to do everything myself. And Excuse me. And so then I, I was able to add even more um, more talent and to, to kind of go back over the process and improve our packaging, uh, improve our, our website, improve our photography, uh, add products and that sort of thing. But it, I, I definitely needed that uh, kind of first infusion of extra talent that I couldn't provide in order to, to set us up for um, success. And so I, I think of I realize right now that I am incredibly lucky. And I think that's the part that gets missed sometimes is I'm absolutely lucky. There are smarter, more talented people than me that have not had the success that I've had. If I've done anything, it's that if I wanted to be hit by lightning, at least I found the storm and stood in the field. And so having the right product photography um, and hiring people to do things and, and that were better than I was set me up so when, to when the lightning struck, I was at least there. I wasn't, uh, you, know, un, you know, in a basement, comfortable, uh, but I was actually out in the field getting rained on uh, for when the luck happened. Um, Again, more more brilliant insights. I think um, one of the one of the things you said was, well, when when people talk about their entrepreneurial journey, they talk out of both sides of their mouths, where they say, well, you got to do it yourself, and you have to hire people. And I, you're, I get that, and I think everyone struggles with that. Um, Early on, I think the difference, what's going on here is when you start, like, especially, you know, you're, if you're bootstrapping, um, which many of us are, you know, I was, you were the, um, you're in hustling entrepreneur mode, right? Where you're trying to do everything yourself and that's okay. And then you start to transition, like as you hire people, as you delegate, as you start using professionals, now you're transitioning to business owner, um, and there's still, I think the, the advantage there when you have done it yourself and fa even if you did it yourself and failed, at least then you understand it and you can better talk to, you know, the, if you're hiring, say like the photography, if you tried the photography yourself first, you know what you didn't like about it when you did it. And now like you can have a much more constructive conversation with the photographer you hire and have much more confidence in recognizing, um, a good photography, a good photographer. Would that? Yeah. Does that make sense? 
No, that's that's absolutely right. Um, it's very important to have a, at least a working understanding of the different technologies um, that it takes to have a modern e-commerce business. You don't need to be. I was listening to one of your previous um, the Jerky XP uh, podcast, and uh, and they were talking about how they took a pain point that they had with um, with fulfillment, and they understood it well enough that they ended up starting their own fulfillment company. Uh, you don't need to be that good. They happen to be very good at that. But you have to at least know enough about fulfillment that when you talk, when you get on the phone with a fulfillment company, you actually have an idea of whether or not they're um, soaking you or not. <laughs> you, you should kind of have a general idea of how it should be done correctly. You should have gone to the post office on Saturday afternoons enough times yourself that when you hear about a particular fee that a company is adding on, you know if that's legit. You should understand enough about how blogging works inside of Shopify that when you're working with, you know, with you, uh, with EtherCycle or, uh, or any other um, company that you kind of understand if what you're hearing makes any sense or not. Does it, you know, I hate this expression, but I can't think of a better one, but does it pass the smell test? Does it just make sense? Um, and so photography is, is similar. You should have an idea of what makes a good fo photograph or not. And then when, you're, when your photographer says it's going to be $50 a photograph or whatever they charge you, you understand, like, I, ca I couldn't do that myself. And so, yes, that's, that, that price is worth it. Um, and so having a general idea of how your company works, especially if it's a small company, there's no reason you shouldn't have a general idea of how, how your accounting works, how your photography works, how copywriting works, how to put listings up, uh, customer service, so that as you hire people, you know how to um, see if the person that's interviewing or the company that's interviewing, if they're full of it or not. Yes. And I think there's an, another thing is to, to recognize, um, like it's hard for people to let go of the things that they do in their business. And I, every, I think everyone struggles with this just because you're, you're passionate about it. It's personal. You're invested in it. Um, and uh, you know, I, I've struggled with it too. You need to recognize, you know, what jobs where it's, it doesn't have to be you. And if you could find someone who can do it 80% as well as you, like those jobs where it's like, well, if they could do it 80% as well as me, that's fine. And then I can coach them up to be as good as me. And then certainly if you run into someone who is willing to, who can do what you do as well as you or better, do not hesitate or question. Just grab, grab them up, hire them to do it. Um, and I will, I'll plug myself, uh, or I'll, I'll plug my guy, Kurt Bullock, who does our, our email marketing automation fulfillment, uh, and, and Facebook ads, uh, and sales funnels fulfillment. And when I, when I encountered him and saw what he was doing and we talked like within, we got on the phone and like within 15 minutes, I was like, I want you to do this for me because I immediately recognized he was, he could do a better job than I could. Um, so yeah, like when you encounter those people, like that's where you want it. Yeah. It cost me money, of course, but that it is now, uh, over a year later has added tremendous value, uh, to our clients' businesses, number one, and then in turn to ours, um, so yes, but all right. So you've you've hired a lot of professionals. You were doing everything yourself, then hiring um, employees and professionals. Where do you think is some of the some of the best hires you made? I've been uh, incredibly fortunate um, to to have um, kind of an uninterrupted supply of of excellent people, and i I don't know <laughs> I don't know exactly why that's been the case. Um, it, there's definitely been a lot of, I was going to ask, yeah, you've got like it look from the outside looking in, it seems like 
Number one, I, I think you do enough working in public where I, I think people who like you or are like you are attracted to you. Um, not physically, but like in the sense that like, man, I'd, I'd like to work with that guy. And I think that, that's, that helps and that speaks to, um, the, the power of working in public. Um, but yeah, it just seems like you've got, uh, kind of this, this tremendous circle of, of talented folks around you. Well, part of it is I'm, I'm fortunate that a lot of the, 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 my employees, they do like working, uh, at the business and they're routinely say, Hey, here's the next person we should hire. And so, uh, hmm. that's been my, that's been the way that I've found people is through internal referral. Um, so we've gotten, you know, our, our copywriter, um, came that way. Most of our production staff were our friends of, um, our general manager, uh, he grew up with them and they're, they're all of them are, are awesome. And so, um, and then, you know, my production manager, Dawn, who does not have a beard. Um, she, uh, I, you know, I knew her from church and I figure if she's got four kids and is a single mom, she can definitely handle the stress of making beard oil. And she is, is doing the job, um, incredibly well, way, 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 way better than I could. Um, Brian, who's our sales manager, he came from, uh, he was actually one of the beta testers, just one of a bunch of people when I came out with a beard balm and, uh, I really liked him. We, we hit it off very well. And so, you know, a year and a half later, um, you know, he came over, uh, and he's done a great job. So I've been, uh, really fortunate that people have just liked working for me and have recommended other people. I'd like to think, and this may or may not be true, but I'd like to think that having a pretty, um, uh, I guess fair working environment. That's the, the first word I think of. Uh, what I mean by that is it's, it's consistent. You, you know, I, I try to be very consistent, uh, and have clear expectations, both not only from a job perspective, like what is, the, what is included in your job and how do I measure you? But also, um, from, um, from a values perspective, you know, we routinely talk about our, our, um, our philosophy and our values. I mean, if, if you, if I, if you were to, Kurt, if you were to, uh, reach out to any of the guys that you work with on this recent project that we worked at to, with, uh, together to, to launch the new website and you said, Hey, Adam or Tim or Andy, what are, can you handle bars values? They'd be able to rattle them off because we talk about them all the time when it comes time for bonuses. It's in terms of how well did you demonstrate the values when we talk about hiring new people, how well do we think they're going to be able to demonstrate these values? So everything keeps coming back to the same philosophy and the same values over and over again. And so I think that having worked for different companies, I've worked for, I don't even know how many places I've worked in my life. Um, one of the most frustrating things was yesterday I was, uh, yesterday you liked me today, you hate me and I didn't change, but you changed the rules. And so I personally, I felt like if I ever have a company, I'm going to make it so that you know yourself, how well you're doing, um, and, you know, and, and be consistent with that. And so I think that's been a big part of morale and hiring new people, because those are two sides of the same coin, um, is to have consistency and to, and to, for everyone to be able to communicate what makes this company unique, what makes this company can you handle bar versus any other company that's out there? I think, um, yeah, absolutely. Having those, those clear expectations is hugely important. 
um, making those values known and clear clearly is, is working for you. Um, but yeah, I mean, just, uh, from the, from my perspective, it's always, you know, Doug is, is assertive in this is what we're looking for. This is what we want and need, but is also willing to say, all right, well, but first tell me, does this make sense? All right. If it makes sense and we're agreed on expectations, then your, your hands off. You're just like, okay, go. I, I'm putting my faith in you to, to go make it, to do it, to achieve it, what we agreed on. Um, and then that's like that, that is the extent of the accountability we need to do it is, well, he's got, <laughs> we, we agreed to it. So, you know, go, go make it happen. Um, so I think that, I think that's, that's helpful, um, in both employees and vendor relationships. Um, going back to, to your, your journey to the growth of, of Can You Handlebar? Well, after you had this success on Amazon, um, what do you think was the, the next, and I have a suspicion here, so I'm leading question. What do you think was the next big inflection point in growing this business? It was absolutely, um, joining the art of shaving. I mean, 100%. Um, so we had, you know, I would like to say that, oh yeah, you know, we, we saw this, uh, this big game across the Serengeti and we stalked it for days, but that really wasn't what happened. Um, what happened was we were on Amazon and we were doing well and we were making good money. And so we, uh, without knowing that, that the art of shaving, the art of shaving has about 150 stores in the U S they're only located in high-end malls. Um, I have a personal connection with the Art of Shaving that I'll share in a moment if you'd like. But they, um, they're owned by Procter & Gamble, and they're the only storefront for Procter & Gamble. And so we didn't know that they were looking to add beard care products to their shaving line. Um, but in the meantime, uh, after getting onto Amazon, there's always things that you know as a, as a business owner that you could go back and improve. You know, ah, man, you know, whether for you maybe it's, Oh I, gosh, I just want to index these and you know add tags so you can sort by X, Y, Z. You have this list of things in your head that you feel like I could really go back and make this the best it could be. And so for us with making products, there were a few things that we we felt like to become a world-class company, we could do this. And and I'm not saying that no one else in our industry is doing this, but I don't know that anyone else in our industry is doing all of this. You know, we have actual GS1 barcodes. Um, that, that's the issuing agency. So they're not purchased in bulk to save a few bucks. We get the legit ones. And that me that makes us ready to be sold in any store and to scan correctly in any cash register in the world. The second is we have uh, lot lot numbering. Uh, you'd be surprised for having natural products that go on your face. How many companies don't have lot numbering? Um, you know, and then we have, uh, the, the type of packaging that will, would be at home in the highest end salons or retail environments anywhere in the world. Uh, but that also as a byproduct happened to be incredibly durable so that after moving hundreds of thousands of units, we've had two units returned for having broken. Hmm. Um, and so we went and, and did those things. And so when you look at your cost of goods, it's very easy to say, well, it hasn't been a problem. So why, why mess it up? Why go and spend, tens of thousands of dollars to improve this part that maybe no one will even notice. But I'm really glad we did that because I suspect that that was at least fractionally a part of the reason that we were, um, uh, that we made sense for the art of shaving to bring on board. And we've been able to deliver what they need when they need it from day one, being a very small company working with Procter and Gamble, that's no mean feat. 
And no, so, certainly, yeah, they're huge. I, I have seen situations where, um, or companies like yours get like the big retail thing, uh, the big retail purchase and it destroys them because they, yeah. Like, it, of course, you're excited. You're not going to say the big leagues call. You're not going to say no um, right. when you're getting called up. But and then they're not prepared for it. It sounds to me that what if I had to boil your success down to an aphorism here was you make your own luck by being so good they can't ignore you. So you went out of your way. There's lots of stuff you could have skimped on. You chose actively not to. And that made you very attractive when um when. Procter and Gamble was saying, "Hey, we need we need beer care products in our retail stores." Yeah, I think that's fair. You know, unlike some of your guests, I'm not the coolest guy. I'm not the best looking. I, I don't have a natural talent for people uh, retweeting my clever jokes a million times and getting a million email letters signups. If there's one thing I do, it's to be um, meticulous about having a really good product. And then to work with people who are very good at those other things. And so, you know, for us, it's like, you know, I've got a buddy of mine who was on Shark Tank, Eric uh, Bandholtz with Beard Brand. Great guy. Uh, if he had been around when I was thinking about starting the company, I probably wouldn't have started it because he makes <laughs> a really good product and he's a great guy and he's good looking and, and he's really personable. Um, but he has a talent that I don't have. Uh, and so where where we have, uh, where we I feel like we shine is, being able to get the details of, of the business um, so that when we talk with people like Procter & Gamble or The Art of Shaving, we make sense. We just make sense. Um, so, so to me, the, the pinnacle of, of business ownership is when your company becomes inevitable. I feel like people are aiming at being cool, but coolness will go away. But if you become inevitable, that can never get taken from you. And, and I'm not trying to blow smoke up your ass, but, uh, or skirt, I don't know, smoke, asses, <laughs> skirts, not trying to do any of that. Um, but what I will say is if you are looking to improve your Shopify website, you are inevitable, like Kurt, EtherCycle, like there isn't anyone that's even on the same plane. There are other really talented people and perhaps even people that could have done as good of a job on a website as you did, but... They haven't focused enough on what they do to become inevitable to where it's like if somebody is genuinely trying to improve their website and it's a Shopify website, you may or may not get the business, but no one didn't think about giving you the business before they chose whomever they did choose. And I never that thought about it that way. That's crazy. And yep, I'm honored. Thank you. Yeah. So, so that's what we wanted to be was we want to be inevitable. So if you found out that the that you know, Elon Musk finally gets us to Mars, and he sets up a beard care company, you know, beard care storefront on Mars. And someone said, "Hey, can you handlebar got that?" People wouldn't go like, "What?" They'd be like, "Oh, well, gosh, that makes sense." I mean, if somebody said, "What's the first pair of blue jeans that are going to be on Mars?" and someone said, "It's Levi's," no one would be surprised. Be like, "Oh, yeah, that kind of makes sense." Because Levi's has gotten to that point of inevitability. They may or may not be the first blue jeans on Mars, but if they are, it won't surprise you. It'll be like, ah, oh, yeah, you know, that kind of makes sense. And that's what we're aiming at. And so because of that, we're not worrying about how do we get this tweet to go viral. We're trying to make sure that we make sense on any retail store that, that we choose to work with. And so we really work on having a very wide and sturdy base to our pyramid 
while other people are building a monolith straight up, we're building a pyramid. And so we're working on the fundamentals. And so we have processes for everything. We have procedures for everything. We have a clear culture. We have a clear philosophy so that 20 years from now, we're still doing this. When other folks are talking about their first business that went defunct 17 years ago, we're still going strong. You just and laid that- out how important it is and how to build a business that is durable and sustainable for the long term. And I think that it's, that gets so overlooked, um, especially when we're in like, you know, ever the, this culture where it's, it's startups and, and IPOs and everything's got to be cool. And what's your exit strategy? And no, I just, I just want to build a, a durable, sustainable business to provide for my family. And that, that, a hundred percent respectable. And I can't not plug, um, the perennial seller by Ryan holiday. I've, I've read, I have not read this one. Is it good? Yeah, it's phenomenal. I mean, Ryan holiday is one of the authors that if he wrote a book on pancakes, I would buy it. (laughs) And I I assume you read, uh, trust me, I'm lying. Yep. Trust me. I'm lying. That one's great. I mean, he's, he's fantastic. So, so that's interesting. You bring up, trust me, I'm lying. This is the foil to Trust Me, I'm Lying. So Trust Me, I'm Lying was where he talks about being the brand manager or whatever the, 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 the title was. For, for American Apparel. And, and so it's about like, like, oh my God, can you believe that? Look at that gimmick. Look at that trick. The perennial seller is the opposite of that. And, and it's actually talking about, and so you see two sides of the same marketplace. You see the, the flash in the pan. Now he was able to obviously create flashes in the pan on demand. And that's an amazing talent. But perennial seller is the opposite philosophy, which is how do you create a a product, whether it's a business, a book, a company that is still relevant in 20 years, 50 years, a hundred years. And so it's, it's kind of coming at it from the opposite direction. Uh, really recommend anything he writes him and Robert green, his mentor. Uh, but in particular, uh, perennial seller, it actually talks a lot about this, um, mindset of creating a business that, you know, my son may run it one day if he's the best person to run it. I don't have this like thing where my son has to be the president one day cause he might not be good at it, <laughs> but no, no nepotism for you. Right. But it'll be around, uh, when my son is, um, is older. And so, he'll, you know, he'll get, he'll certainly get an opportunity to interview. But the point is yeah, I'm not building a company that is only going to be popular so long as Buzzfeed says beards are cool. Uh, it's going to be, it's just going to be here. Uh, and so that, that's a great book. It's a short book. It's I think about three hours of audio. I, I, I have already, I bought it. <laughs> I, I, while we're talking, I sent it to my Kindle. I'm flying to uh, New York tomorrow to speak at a, an event for Shopify. So I will Perfect. read it on the plane. Um, and I have included it in the show notes. So it's not, it's not always the sexiest way to approach business, but I'm not trying to um, you know, win a, an award for coolest company. I'm trying to let, I'm trying to win the award that, that it's awarded every time a customer buys my products. And when they buy my products 10 years from now, whatever that award is where I'm just around, uh, and I, I'm still plugging away and I'm still growing. And so it's, it's, it's kind of the opposite of the entrepreneurial, um, sort of pornography where you only see the, the really cool, sexy parts. This is like the long, slow play. Uh, and so that's, that's where our business is. And that's, that's really kind of our mindset too. You know, we're not these alpha males. Um, we're normal people and making a very good product and want to continue to make that and sell that to you 20 years from now. And so it just, 
it does change the way you think about everything from your product photography to your approach to social media to how much money you're willing to spend on a new website. All of that changes if you think, consider I'm going to be here for a minute. I love it. This has been this like right now. I'm I'm going to sit before hearing it edited and finished. This is one of my favorite episodes because it paints such a realistic and um, useful, genuinely like actionable um, approach to business ownership to entrepreneurship that I think is is sorely missing because this is the non sexy version. This is like the real practical version that I live by that doesn't sell well. So you don't hear nearly as much about it. Well, thank you. That, that means a lot. I don't have any other mode. <laughs> Good. I, Keep I it that way. What I do, um, when you're just kind of an average looking, um, overweight guy, uh, who grew up, you know, lower middle class, you are just a normal dude and you're, you're probably, there's probably not gonna be a miracle for me. I'm probably going to be, you know, overweight, average looking, uh, for the rest of my life. So, for me, I needed to, as an entrepreneur then, um, I would be completely dejected right now if my only metric for success was, am I super cool? Am I as cool as Elon Musk? Um, where I feel like this is a much more realistic and sustainable model where it really is just kind of a, uh, how good of a job that I do and, and, and do I, do I provide a, a workplace that is, um, that gives people second chances and, and lets them, you know, that's a big, that's another big part of entrepreneurship. Yes. It's cool to make money. We were talking before the show about, you know, um, aspirational things like having kegerators in the garage. And that's really cool. But you know, what's cooler than that, Kurt is having people, uh, for whom this job, uh, working for you or for I is like, wow, somebody actually took me seriously and gave me an opportunity to do a great job. And I get paid that I get paid accordingly. And it may be the first time in someone's lives that they've ever had someone believe in them. And so it's those stories. And there's several in my company that I won't share specifics because it's, it's not my story to tell. Um, but there, there are several people in the company that are, I am definitely on the, on the, I'm the lucky one. But if you heard them tell it, they might tell it differently that they're the lucky one. And that's a great relationship when we both feel like we're the lucky ones. And so I really like the fact that I've got people that, on paper, probably wouldn't get a job at a big company, but I know who they are and I know they can do a good job. And so that's what excites me is I can't wait to hire the next 10 people who are amazing people, but they'll probably never make it in the corporate world because for one reason or another, they, they don't have the, the requirements on paper, but they're the best kept secret because they'll work their asses off and they really truly give a shit. And that's, that's what excites me is being able to hire more excellent people and, and change lives and be able to do all kinds of things that you never talk about on social media. But if you're a business owner, you know, you've helped people out, you know, you've given money when it needed to be given and you don't brag about it, but you're so glad that you get the opportunity to do it because people are buying $20 bottles of beard oil. And so that's the exciting, that's the most exciting thing about, about entrepreneurship for me is everybody else, you know, posts that they are sending thoughts and prayers and we as business owners get to send money or get to, you know, um, help out in really meaningful ways. And that's so gratifying because there's plenty of opportunities where people need help. And, and that's the options that my business gives me is the ability to actually help. I love it. That's, we're going to, we're going to wrap it up there because that is a, a fantastic closing note. Um, okay. You had 
a a promo, a fantastic promo idea. You said you want to give away about 150 bucks in products to someone, and you left me the discretion with how it's awarded, right? Yeah. Okay. So here, I th- here, tell me if this makes sense. I think we'll do it this way. Join the the unofficial Shopify podcast uh, Facebook group. Um, so we're, that requirement one, you got to have a Facebook. I'm sorry, uh, but that way we could do this in public easily. Go on there. I will, and then on the the announcement for this episode, comment on, uh, write a comment on what your your key takeaway was, and then whatever um, phenomenal takeaway you know whether it's uh, just it, it's concise or inventive, whatever it is for you, uh, comment, put that on there, and then that, that is who we will award the, the $150 in um, worth of delightful Can You Handlebar beard care products too. And then you also, you were so kind, you have a, a discount code you want to offer for everyone else who does not win the, uh, the giveaway. Yeah, I don't remember what it was. <laughs> All right, it, it is. Uh, I have it in my notes here. It is. Uh, you can use the coupon code Kurt's Discount, which I have included in the show notes, for fifteen percent off through the end of the year, which is five uh, percent uh, more than you will gener- di- uh, than you'll discount normally, uh, yeah. even during a sale. So that is a a fantastic uh, coupon code to try out the product. I don't have a big majestic beard. I have a a short shorter regular guy beard. However, I do. I still use. Um, even with a shorter guy beard, I still use a little bit of beard oil, especially my mustache. It's nice. I like it. And this stuff smells great. My wife always goes, Oh, you smell good. This, and this is why. Well, yeah, thank you. And, uh, I'm really glad to, to do that. Uh, I'm a, I'm a big fan of, uh, of you and, uh, and your company. And I appreciate all the extra money that you've helped me make and, uh, and just your perspective. It's good to talk to other entrepreneurs. That's one of the things I like about your podcast is, you know, it, personally just around me there may not be that many people that kind of know what i'm going through so even if it's sort of at arm's length to listen to it through a podcast it's nice to have a group of peers and that's one of the things i appreciate you doing is in addition to doing the um the actual consulting you've actually created sort of this ad hoc network of of people that understand what i'm thinking about what i'm going through today so i appreciate that and i'm really happy to you know give back um to that to that group Hmm. that's oh you're wow I had not thought of it that way, but you're right. That's super cool. Um, wow. So Doug, lastly, Doug, where could people go to learn more about you? Um, so anywhere Can You Handlebar. So our website is canyouhandlebar.com. Uh, so it's like the word can you handlebar, like a question. Uh, canyouhandlebar.com. We're at canyouhandlebar on Twitter and on Instagram. We're forward slash canyouhandlebar on Facebook. Where something or other can you handlebar on Pinterest, and we'll probably be that whatever other uh, network comes out in the future. Uh, and then we do have a newsletter uh, that you know that comes out. You can sign up on sign up for it on our website. And then one of the big initiatives that we've got that you spent, I'm, I'm sure you probably said my name and then swore uh, several times, was when you built out our Beard Mentor, which is a uh, it's a, it's actually our blog. But to say it's a blog, it's kind of an understatement. It's sort of a, a one-stop resource for uh, beard care. Everything from the practical about what to do if my mustache that I've waxed kind of splits in half during the day and I need to repair it to the, the, the bigger picture uh, job interviews with a beard. And so it's kind of a one-stop resource for everything related to beard care. And it's actually just points to a section of our website on canyouhandlebar.com 
but you can get to it directly through beardmentor.com. Oh, yeah, this thing is just from a, a development standpoint, this thing's really cool. I often hear um, one of the common requests or complaints that I see in, in Facebook groups is, is oh, the, the Shopify blog sucks. It's so limited. It doesn't do what I want. Uh, I have thoroughly disproved that theory with uh, the, the, the templating and shenanigans we did with the Can You Handlebar blog called The Beard Mentor. Um, so check that out. Uh, the trick there is we used Shopify lets you create multiple blogs. So we use each blog as its own category. Um, and then there's like, there's no advanced programming. It is just pure, um, clever, uh, loops with liquid. So if you want some inspiration as to like what you can really achieve with that blog, um, with, with nothing outside the box that, uh, that can you handle Barbeard Mentor, I'm quite proud of is very cool. Oh, you should be. It looks, it looks fantastic. It's really cool to have an idea, draw it on paper, and then to actually see it come true uh, a few months later. So I'm very, very happy with what you've done. Thank you. So, and Doug, thank you for joining us again. My honor and pleasure. Um, great episode. I hope people got a ton of value out of this. And go join our Facebook group. Tell us what your biggest takeaway was. And you could win uh, quite a lot of fantastic beard care product. So that's it for us today at the unofficial Shopify podcast. Join that Facebook group. Come talk to us. Sign up for my newsletter, KurtElster.com. Shoot me an email. Either way, you're going to find out whenever we post a new episode. And, of course, if you'd like to work with me on your next project, you can always apply at EtherCycle.com slash apply. And as always, thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. Our program was produced today by Paul Rita. The unofficial Shopify podcast is distributed by EtherCycle LLC. We'll be back next week with more value bombs for Shopify store owners. If you're looking for more high quality and actionable advice on learning the business of e-commerce, join thousands of other Shopify store owners on our totally free newsletter at eCommerce Bootcamp. That's eCommerce-Bootcamp.com.